Hello and welcome to the Sacred Activist Podcast, where spirituality and personal power meet. I'm your host, Emma Hillman. Join me in envisioning and creating radical new futures where we all thrive. A world where the well-being of all living things is our priority. A world where peace is our foundation and care is our metric of success. And the earth takes her rightful place once again as the centre of everything. This is for you if you care about our planet, a better future, and know we need to do things differently. It's time we ignite our personal power and take our spirituality with us out into the world for a better world. We cover everything from climate, the environment, justice, personal power, leadership, and spirituality. Whatever your faith or your work looks like, you're invited as we take a deeper look at what heart-centered change and activism can truly be. This is about transformation from the inside out. These are alternative visions for the future we need. I'm so glad you're here. The world needs you and we've got work to do. So let's get started. What is sacred space? And how can we consciously create space in our lives that not only enhances our lives, but helps support the world we want? These are the questions we ponder in today's episode with design educator and award-winning design writer, my dear friend, Dr. Nathan James Crane. Nathan Crane, thank you so much for being my first guest on the podcast. It's an honor to have you. Thank you so much for having me. You are an amazing human. You are many things. You are a design writer, a lecturer, a design program coordinator. You have a PhD in interior architecture and you're on the National Committee for the Design Institute of Australia. But most of all, you could be described as a practitioner of space. So I'd love to start by asking you about what creating space means first and foremost and what does it mean to create space and create sacred space in our lives Mm. um well thanks for an excellent question it's it's probably a question i'm asking myself daily and still don't really have a full answer for but for me i I was really uh, i suppose uncomfortable with um the initial you know, title that um, most people were sort of giving me, which was interior designer or interior architect. And I wanted to really explore um, what my practice was. I'm really interested, as you've sort of mentioned, in in writing and what space can look like through writing and, and other practices as well. So for me, I think I really, uh, certainly during my studies and, and afterwards as well, really reflected on, this idea of um, practice or it being my practice. So being a practitioner, like a a medical practitioner, their practice is medicine. Um, My practice is space or or using space um, as a a doctor or a healer would use, you know, medicine or other practices. The thing that I kind of prescribe to people um, or think about it that way is, is good space that actually uplifts people. So that was sort of the, um, the impetus, I suppose, for framing it for me as this person who uses space to think with and think from um, and to, if not solve problems, certainly start to um, maybe attend to, to different issues through the medium of space. Mm, I love what you said there about like prescribing good space. Mm. So what would be the importance of creating good space and what, what does that mean to you? Sure. So I think the common misconception with design or what's referred to as good design is that 
we assume that it's visual all the time, that we think that it's about it looking a certain way or looking good. And certainly there is that element, but actually uh, good space or, or successful design and, and spatial practice is actually about how we feel in in the space. And so I always come to it from that perspective. Um, one of the first questions I ask a, a design client, if I've if I'm working with a design client or if I'm, you know, maybe consulting or even when I'm writing about other spaces, I immediately check in with myself about how I feel as a gut feeling first and then whether or not there's visual stimuli that is that look piece, um, whether that's, you know, an element of it. But to be honest, some of the most beautiful spaces are the darkest rooms or the, the simplest rooms or actually have nothing to do with how they look but how I feel in those spaces. And that could be through other elements like scent or through touch um, or even the ambient temperature. So it, it, there's all of these other elements that I think as well go into successful spatial practice. Mm, that's so interesting and goes way beyond what most of us would think makes a space when mm. we are creating our own spaces in our homes and and in work environments uh, yeah. even. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that's it's probably quite a surprising um, entry point for a lot of people. And I've had that feedback in the past where people have said, oh, that's not the first question I thought you were going to ask. I thought you were going to ask which color I liked. Um, but for me, I suppose because I'm coming to spatial practice as a spiritual practice, and perhaps we can dig into that later as we go through, but there's an there's a sort of deeper element that, yes, of course, there's, there's an esoteric uh, element to that, but actually it's quite fundamental. You, you spend so much time in these spaces, whether it's a workspace or a, or a home space, you want to feel good in those spaces. Um, it's good to make it look pretty, but if you feel horrible, then, you know, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. So... Um, you mentioned that your philosophy is, is almost spiritual in a way. Can you um, tell us more about your philosophy when it comes to creating sacred space and creating space in general? Sure. Um, again, I'm still very much daily exploring this idea and, and it does change and evolve as all spiritual practices do, as all ongoing practice does. But um, for me, my approach is definitely informed by a, a number of different, um, I suppose, spiritual texts that I study or that I'm familiar with. So, the you know, one of the, the big um, texts for me is uh, The Course in Miracles. So there's a sort of spatial element to that as well, even the way it's laid out. So for me, uh, I suppose everything that I think about is through the medium of space, even texts, to be honest. So in, in the reverse, um, in, in thinking about this kind of spiritual approach, obviously there's a kind of deep and rich history around sacred space or um, sacred architecture in Gothic cathedrals all the way through to, um, you know, different um, temples as well that are kind of impregnated with this deep spiritual understanding that buildings are can be a manifestation for 
heaven on earth, if, if that's your sort of spiritual belief, but also can connect us or be a bridge to a higher power as well. So for me, implicitly, architecture has always been this medium uh, or space has always been this medium for me to connect with my spirituality, but for many others as well, can be this bridge or it can be seen as a way to connect with something else through the building. Mm, I love that. So what would you say then creates a sacred space and how is it different to to a normal space? I know you did touch on it a little bit earlier with the qualities of scent and temperature and Mm. can you expand Uh, on that? Sure, sure. So really the simplest way to approach this is intention. So um, just as with um, spiritual practice, um, intention setting or or leading into any sort of decision with an intention um, and everything having a a quality about it that is considered um, is kind of key. So Again, when we look at spaces that are considered to be sacred spaces or are considered to have a sacred quality about them, everything has been considered specific sacred geometries, whether there's an alignment with a particular um, top, uh, you know, topography as well, um, or whether it's actually the material that's been used in, say, more contemporary practice, and there's a few designers that are quite famous today or ando is one in particular that i'll mention that um works with materials so again quite a pragmatic approach but works with materials that are really intentionally chosen to age or to um, bring out a certain quality Um, so for me i suppose when i'm looking at other buildings that i respond to as a as a sacred space or when i am you know, trusted by other people to help them create those spaces, I'm very much bringing them along with this intention that we're creating a space together um, in this this approach. Mm, so intention is first and foremost at the centre. Absolutely. Uh, always, always has to be. Um, in fact, I would go so far as to say that most or if not all unsuccessful spaces or spaces that feel a bit off or you feel uncomfortable in, there's something maybe that's off about the intention. And I don't mean even in a spiritual way, but actually just something that's maybe not been fully considered that doesn't lead them to be as successful as others. Hmm. And in terms of this idea of like successful space and intention, would you say that when it comes to intention, bringing intention to a space... Is it something that you consider when you're planning the space in terms of the things you bring to the space, the way you arrange the furniture, that kind of thing, um, and you leave it there? Or is it something that you have to keep bringing intention to as you continue to use the space? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Definitely the front end of the design process is about in essence, intention setting. So particularly in asking questions around how do you want to feel, that is a way of framing intention in a 
user-friendly way, um, you know, rather than asking the question up front. So um, how would you like to align your, you know, soul with this space? Maybe asking a question that's a little bit more um, easy to start with, which is how would you like to feel? Often the response is that we want to feel comfortable, we want to feel at ease, I want to feel safe. Any of those things help us to set that intention for the space. And then we are constantly referring to um, those feelings as intention and then use them as reference points throughout um, so that if something, you know, we're looking at a, maybe a particular material or a, a certain light um, condition, maybe something going to be super bright or super, you know, moody and ambient, I always ask myself the question, is this going to achieve that intention, which was whether it be to feel safe or to feel bright, to feel happy, to feel expansive, whatever those things are. Um, And then depending on the answer, um, we either progress or we we choose another material. Mm, So would you say then it's about like curating what you bring into the space based on how you want to feel in the space? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, uh, I'm, quite pleased that you use the word curate because that sort of underpins this this sort of three pillars I suppose to to my approach or my sort of own design philosophy that is framed around um, you know creating these really intentional spaces so there's collection collation and curation and that curation piece is sort of the final thing that again has to be done with a certain amount of intention so uh, again, thinking about how you're arranging your spaces and, and what that experience is going to be is really important for yourself firstly uh, and then for others. So I'm not I'm not sort of talking here about creating a showroom or, or it feeling overly polished. This is, you know, we're talking pragmatic livable spaces here, but there is a way to strike a, a balance or to actually infuse your spaces that are really lived and you know, they can be really charismatic, I, I suppose, are constantly reaffirming that intention and that curation. You know, while we've obviously been talking about some pretty um, deep, high kind of philosophical, esoteric thoughts, there is actually kind of a practical place where this lands. And again, it's quite visceral and quite bodily, I, I would actually suggest. So for me, yes, while these spaces maybe are, um, you know, lifting your intention or the way you're feeling and, the, and you know, your energetic vibration, again, if that's the, the language that you um, particularly use, th- this is all still about our lived experience in the world and connecting to that too. So, you know, it could just be about looking and observing what makes you feel good, what makes you actually um, feel expansive what makes you feel connected to whatever that feeling might be so maybe the step prior to that is actually writing down a couple of words to refer to um, Daniel Lepore's work um, around core desired feelings that could be something that you do where you actually map out some key words or some core ways that you want to feel in these spaces and then explore different materials that connect you with those feelings that you've identified. I love that. So it's almost like curating your space to support you to, to feel a certain way on the day-to-day. Absolutely. So I think sometimes the, um, the error that is made is that we 
think that a certain space will, uh, if we design a space that we think is going to make us feel that way, then we'll instantly kind of be carried there. But actually it's about reverse engineering that a little bit and going, okay, so let's identify those things that do make me feel uplifted or feel connected or feel sensual, whatever those keywords are. Expansive is another great one. And then actually intentionally, again, to use that word, putting them in place um, as touch points in our physical environment to allow us to move into that feeling. So it's not about kind of setting a distant intention, but actually, you know, what we're responding to right now and then infusing our spaces with those things to gently pull us towards that that feeling that we want. It's such a physical, like lived lived experience, right? Like such a using space as a spiritual practice is such a thing, a lived thing for us. We're in and out of different spaces every day. Absolutely. We are um, probably 90% of the time inside, depending on your work that you do, of course, but 90 if not more percent of the time, we're in some sort of interior space. And there's arguments to say that the outside is another interior again. Um, so we, we are always in, in inhabiting, inhibiting, depending on the way you spin it, different, uh, different spaces. So again, I suppose my, um, my message of hope to others is to really start thinking about the, the stuff that you want to live with. Um, because it does actually have an impact on the way you feel, the way you operate in the world, the way you see the world as well, um, and the way that you connect with others. Because spaces are space is a medium in which we engage with other people as well. So it's not it's first and foremost about how we feel and how we connect to the space, but we also need to think about how we connect with others in that space as well. That's interesting to think about as well. What cre- what space are we creating for others? Mm, mm, absolutely. And, and for example, it might be that you want to connect with others. You want to create a space that feels connected to others. So the practical application of that is to create opportunities to sit next to people and have conversations. If you've got, you know, sofas that are facing away from each other, for example, or that face a big black TV or whatever else it is that doesn't actually facilitate that connection point that you're after easily, you can actually uh, intervene with that uh, arrangement, that spatial arrangement that actually then allows you to facilitate the higher intention that you're actually wanting in that space. So again, I'm hearing it comes all back to the intention and how you want to use the space and how you want the space to feel and the the way that you're designing the space around that, not just a thing that you walk into or a space you inhabit, but actually a practice. Absolutely, absolutely. And and again, that comes back to on a very practical level, um, you know, thinking about, you know, it being this thing that is evolving. I think that's the other really important Thing, or certainly my approach as well, is that um, it's about allowing for this idea of propensity, so a potential for something to happen. Um, sacred spaces allow for um, anything of whatever the highest intention or whatever the best result is to occur. And that's part of that in- intention um, aspect. But it's about setting up a space that maybe doesn't, 
look like anything in particular or it doesn't determine everything in a really solid way, but actually just allows for the potential for whatever needs to happen to happen. My work and my thinking is in the hopes that we can have spaces that can um, move into from space A to space B and go, ah, okay, I can can now reconnect with this space and, and myself through um, the intention that's that's clearly embedded in in the environment that I'm in. Mm, so interesting when you look at it that way, and you can curate each space so differently that you have a different reaction from room to room. Absolutely, I don't know if um, you or anybody else that's that's listening has um, ever um, walked into a room, or maybe you've you've been in one room of a public building or you know somebody's house and you really and you're really enjoying yourself and you feel really comfortable in that room and then you go oh just excuse me one second i'm just going to go to the bathroom or i just need to grab something else from another room and it's the first time you've been there and you go "Ooh, i'm not this this that doesn't feel right and you're, you're actually looking forward to going back into the other room um or maybe if you notice people gather in a particular space in your house and they don't gather in another space, that's maybe a clue to have a look at how that space that people are responding to in, inherently and quite unconsciously actually um, to say, okay, what is that about that space that they're actually responding to? So interesting. So where could people start with this work? Look, I think um, really my guidance is just to look and feel and play with spaces have a, and, and really thinking about how you're responding to those things. So it could be, as a really practical tip, it could be jumping onto um, social media. It could be jumping onto Pinterest, for example, as a visual smorgasbord of images and actually starting to create quite intentionally, again, boards, in which you and I know um, I know I do this. I know that that you do this also. Just collecting images that you visually respond to in the first instance that that uh, respond to or that you resonate with, and then as a second layer of that. So that's step one. It's just collecting images that you respond to. Step two is actually going back and observing the link between all of the images. Now you might find that every you know every image that you've collected has plants in it you might observe that every image that you've collected has a particular quality quality of light i know that i collect spaces that are um quite ambient you know i actually respond to hot spots and dark spots in rooms um it might be that you discover that there's a bit a very specific type of marble that you've just unconsciously collected so again that reflection uh, aspect and actually observing that unconscious layer and bringing that to the surface so that it is a conscious thing then allows you to move to step three which is actually seeking out those materials or intentionally actually um, creating spaces that have an element of that to them and this can be quite pragmatic i'm certainly not suggesting that everyone needs to then go out and you know, spend $40,000 on a new marble counter if that's the thing that you're responding to. But maybe it's that you find a marble tray to put 
next to your bedside table where you put a glass of water and you connect with that material every night. Maybe it's that you decide to augment the lighting. So maybe you, you actually, for me, you know, responding to those more ambient atmospheres, it's about, for me, going out and buying a few lamps and actually understanding quite intentionally that I respond and feel really comfortable in that more muted light. Mm, thank you. There's such small, simple things that we can do that make such a difference. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing that maybe is the most surprising to people is that small interventions make really big impacts. So as I said, it's not broad sweeps. It's not, I have to re, re-renovate my entire house. They can be the smallest. And in fact, I would go so far as to say the smaller the moment, the more intimate the moment is and, and the deeper it actually um, aligns with your kind of your soul beckoning that particular thing. Mm. It's all about the depth of intention, right? Mm. And um, what are you wanting to create? Absolutely. Absolutely. What, uh, yeah, what potential are you wanting to create mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and connection? Yes, the connection. To be honest, I've, I've been in um, through, you know, some design judging work. I've been in, you know, multi-million dollar homes and judged them. And then within the next hour, I've gone to look at another entry that's maybe got a tenth of the budget and is a thousand times more interesting and more connected and more charismatic and more soulful than the multi-million dollar. So it's not about it's not about money. It's not about how much you're spending. It's, as I said, the small intimate moment that actually connects on a deep level. And it's all about bringing your personality out and how you want to feel in the space and curating it that way. Absolutely. Amazing. So just to round out the conversation today, I've got a couple of questions which I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, first one is, do you believe creating space can be a political act? It's mm, a great question. I think if space is personal, the personal is always political. So um, inherently, yes, absolutely. Space can be used in any way that you wish it to. But I think inherently, if you're if you're creating spaces that are personal to you, that speak to particular intentions that you want, that is a political um, a political act. There are politics that are um, involved in that personal politics, um, and you can express yourself or you can actively um, comment on particular aspects that you dislike in culture or in, um, you know, happenings of the world through space. So architecture is constantly a reflection of the culture in which it is conceived and designed. We see that through um, all buildings and all cities throughout the world. Um, You can actually tell the political um, viewpoint of us of a city at a particular time through its buildings there's this great quote and um forgive me because i don't know specifically who said it but there's this great quote that basically says um the way to tell the way that a city is formulated or the way that a culture um is thinking 
is to look at the tallest building and see what sign is on the top of it. So this idea of basically the louder the voice, the bigger the building um, in some way. So, um, you know, to take that at the moment, if you looked at some of the biggest um, towers in a city, they're usually banks. They're usually, you know, um, other political buildings or, you know, they speak to these larger powers that, you know, maybe have some complex political aspects that that need to be um, considered and addressed. So, yes, absolutely. Um, at that higher, bigger level, as well as on a really personal level, you can make a political statement or political commentary around that. Thank you. And what does the sacred mean to you? What does the sacred mean to me? When I describe or when I think about what I, you know, would call something that is sacred, I think for me it's about how deeply it connects to my soul, how deeply it connects to my sense of purpose um, and to um, the way that that is, I suppose, aligning me to my kind of deeper sense of self. So um, when I talk about sacred space, I'm in another way saying space that connects you to yourself or connects you to your soul. So, you know, if I, for example, say that my friendships are sacred, again, my friendships connect me deeper to my sense of self and my deeper to my my sense of, of purpose as well, my work as well, because it connects me to a deeper sense of myself. I love that, connecting you to a deeper sense of yourself, especially when we're looking at creating space and spaces in which we can connect to ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's something that I think, unfortunately, is taken at a surface level. And this is not about, you know, philosophizing something that is only surface level. It's actually quite deep, quite impactful. Um, and has this deeper influence that, again, if you're bringing in that intention, if you're thinking about it in the frame of connecting to a deeper sense of yourself, it can't not be um, spiritual. It can't not be spatial. Mm. What does joy look like for you? Mm. Do you know my my first, when you say that, I say a big bowl of fresh flowers. That's what joy looks like to me. Um, joy, uh, to me is every time I walk past a big basket of flowers, fresh flowers, go to the market and Mm. find something that connects me, uh, to my joy. Also, I suppose allowing others to get to the place where they need to be, uh, and whether that's sort of teaching work or whether it's design work, my sense of joy comes from kind of seeing that bubble up in, in others as well. And in a few words, what's your vision for the future? Only a few words. Um, uh, My vision for the future is that we appreciate each other more deeply, that we have conversations that matter, uh, and that we understand and intentionally connect with spaces that allow us to be our greatest self. Nathan, thank you so much for your time today. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure and, and good luck with everything on the podcast. Now, here at The Sacred Activist, our main devotion is the reverence for the sacred. And what better way to do that than with poetry? If you'd like to submit your own piece, please record a voice note on your phone and email it to hello at emmalouisehillman.com. Poems of all forms are welcome with a focus on the sacred, nature and personal power. To round out our episode today, Nathan will be sharing an original piece entitled Reflections on the Expanded Field of Practice. Reflections on the Expanded Field of Practice I am a practitioner of space. It is the medium of my work. Therefore, everything that I do is a spatial practice. I envision the world and my work as spatial intercessions. They are all iterations of the same thought, a thought that is spatial. I work on the plane of space that is not inherently separate from any other space. The space that I engage is unifying and complete. The space is all-encompassing. It operates on the level of the universal. It is in this quantum space that I operate my awareness. This spatiality is a liminal, unbounding place that exists beyond the realm of perception it can be described upon. It is here that the indiscriminate inception of every thought resides, that the creation of my work is pregnant with the inseparable spatiality of its source, its immersive nature embedded within the essence of its incarnation and ever-present in its subtle expression. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Activist Podcast. I hope this episode has provided inspiration, strategies, and new perspectives of what the new future can be. If you enjoy these episodes, please subscribe, rate five stars, and review, as it really helps other people find us. And let me know what your biggest takeaway was from the episode. Join the conversation over on Instagram at the Sacred Activist Podcast. To be featured in our Resistance Poetry segment, take a voice note on your phone or submit a poem via email to hello at emmalouisehillman.com. All submissions related to nature, the sacred, and all forms of justice, equality, or personal power are welcome. More information about today's guest and where to find them online, available at thesacredactivistpodcast.com. Thank you for joining these important conversations. May our spirit be our driving force as we create a better future together.